1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages.
2: you know the best part is there's no twitter trolls or facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about so uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more win those championships pause the podcast right now sign up and you can thank me later in the group chat
1: what's happening guys happy wednesday and welcome to the dynasty Warzone, the people's dynasty podcast on tonight's show i've got a very special guest He's going to be talking a little rookie love and hate, as well as recapping the Super Bowl with me. Uh, My normal co-host, the man of the hour and the man with the power, Jerry Sinclair. No, we did not break up coming off of this Valentine's Day weekend. My schedule has been the absolute worst lately with uh, work and baseball with my son, but the podcast must go on. So Jerry will be back next week. We'll be doing our sweethearts. We'll be doing our breakups. We'll be covering a lot of that, but my guest tonight, a lot of you know him from our Monday pod. His name is Dallas Heider. You can follow Dallas on Twitter at Salad Galore. That's salad with two D's or Dallas spelled backwards. Dallas is the host of our Rookie Rundown show as well as the occasional uh, pitch hitting co-host of the Fantasy Football Smackdown. Dallas, man, welcome to the mothership. How are you? Yeah, it's good to be
0: back. It's been a while since I've been on the the mainstream here. This is where I got my uh, true bread and butter start with the contractor all those years ago. But uh, yeah, I'm in the thick of rookie season, so I've been a busy boy.
1: Well, we're gonna jump into the rookies here at the end. We're just gonna talk a little. Uh, we're gonna talk a little Kyler Murray. We're gonna talk a little Carson Wentz. We're gonna talk some Bobby Trees. We might I might throw a Cam Akers at you. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. We're going to cover basically from a dynasty standpoint. Usually when you watch the Super Bowl, you're like, you know, Super Bowl's over, ready for rookie content. You're going to hit us with a little bit of that goodness, but uh, we've got some other stuff to cover. But before I do that, I want to make sure that not only do we have Dallas on Monday covering rookies, if if not this most recent Monday, you covered five under-the-radar rookies from the Power Five Conference. Now, no spoilers. Make them go back and download if they haven't already. But uh, what did you like? Give us like a like a, a quick synopsis of, of what you covered Monday.
0: Yeah. So a lot of what I covered Monday, um, it's three part series that I'm covering right now with the power five, the group of five and then some FCS gems will be the third week in the little series that I got rocking right now. But I went through players that are being either misrepresented or underrepresented in the Twitter sphere or the dynasty rookie sphere right now. Um, A lot of the talk is obviously on the prospects after the senior bowl and after the East West Shrine Bowl and after seeing these guys in the bowl games. But quite a few of these guys either opted out of the bowl game, got injured in the bowl game or aren't seniors. So you haven't been able to actually see them on the field in a couple of months now. Uh, so, I covered four guys on that, um, two from the same team as a hint, and one that I liken to Jamal Charles. Um, so, definitely make sure to check out the Rookie Rundown every week, and uh, you'll be able to catch some more content, as I said, on the Group of Five and the FCS Gems over the next two weeks.
1: Now, I'm I'm, I'm digging the, the show a lot, and the Jamal Charles, I, I mean, speaking of, uh, he wasn't here for a long time, but old Jamal Charles was here for a good time. He rocked it out for a couple of seasons, an electric back, and any rookie that you want to give even a loose comp to Jamal Charles, I'm all about that action boss. Now, in fairness, I do not have a specific good person, bad tweet, uh, but I do have a topic that I saw during the Super Bowl that I don't want to say get me, got me fired up, but the Super Bowl halftime show, are you ready? Ready. Now, did you see the Super Bowl halftime show? Yes. What were your thoughts on the Super Bowl halftime show?
0: Uh, it had its highlights. Uh, the choreography was pretty terrible. I kept okay. getting distracted some- by some of the weird dance moves going on.
1: Okay, so so give me some highlights. Give me some lowlights. Right now, we're on a low light with the choreography.
0: Yeah, low light was choreography. Um, highlight. Is probably just Snoop because anytime I get to see Snoop live, it's always a good time. It doesn't matter if he's rocking it out on a cooking show with Martha or else he's uh, jamming or just hitting up with the guys at the barbershop. Always enjoy me some uh, Snoop. So that's probably the highlight. Um, my weird why did it happen moment was definitely 50, but I feel like that happened with everyone that was watching it. And uh, then everyone was a little bit depressed when no one else popped out other than 50. So um, overall, pretty good. I feel like it uh, was a highlight for a lot of people, a lot better than last years, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, probably the best one of the last couple of years.
1: Uh, Well, I would agree. Um, I'm going to get into some of the bad takes on the the halftime show here in just a minute. I just want to make sure I put this halftime show in proper context. Now these guys are older than me, but this is right in my wheelhouse. This is the the rap of my generation, I, I guess you would say. Um, I would have loved. I don't know how. He's not as not as famous, but he's actually in some ways more famous. Where was Ice Cube? <laughs> you know, seriously, it's 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 L.A. You know, today was a good day. Could, could, is there a better day to say today is a good day than if you win the super bowl in LA, where was ice cube? I had, I had no problem with, with 50 cent. I had no problem with 50 hanging upside down. If you've seen the original video, that's right. Yeah. They used to do these things called music videos for in the club. That's actually from the video. Mm-hmm. So I, I had no problem with that and shame on the people body shame and 50 cent. That guy's like 50. Literally, like not just like in street terms, but like in chronological years. The man's 50 years old. I didn't think he was in that bad of shape. He looked like he went from being like an athlete, like he could have played like some defensive back safety, to being more of like a, a rocked up slow linebacker. He wasn't fat. Not like he had a boiler on him or anything. But then, but then let's, let's get into the overall performance. Uh, I, I, I loved Dre, loved Snoop. Uh, no offense to Kendrick Lamar. He's from that area. He's a very popular rapper. It just didn't fit the motif. Yeah. you know, late 90s, early 2000s rap. That's why I thought like I personally would have snuck in Ice Cube over a 50. That was all fine. The part that really got me sideways though was the people saying it was the best halftime show ever. Okay. Now I'll give you I'll give you my initial take. I'm a <coughs> Colts. I'm a Colts fan, so I'm biased. Okay, but there was never a better halftime show for me. Now, this might surprise some people. You hear my—I've been been told I have a bit of a Southern draw. You'll look at me if you're watching live on the Dynasty Warzone YouTube channel. This might surprise a lot of people. I was, and still am to this day, an incredibly large Prince fan. So let's tie let let let's let's stitch this narrative together. You had Prince in Miami. Literally playing purple rain in the rain of the Super Bowl, my favorite team won. So for me, the greatest halftime show of all time is Prince. But I I do want to steal the take from Jason Whitlock. Are you familiar with Jason Whitlock? Yeah. Used to be with ESPN. I think he's with The Athletic or maybe he's doing his own thing. I, I liked his comment. He was like, Michael Jackson literally performed at the halftime show. It was a great halftime show. By far the best we've had in probably 10, 12 years. But just because it's the best thing that you've seen recently doesn't mean it's the best of all time. And that's a great segue into some of the rookie talk we're going to be covering in this show. Just because the Combine's right around the corner, what is it, the end of the month, like the 25th through the 28th or something like that? Just because it's the best thing you've seen in two years, because we didn't even have a real bond last year, does not mean it's the best thing you've ever seen. Have a little, be a little bit more practical. Now, we're going to jump back into that again. I mentioned the YouTube channel in just a second. Um, a lot of YouTube stuff going on. We got to get you now, Dallas. For those of you watching on Twitter or that have went back to YouTube, he is. He is recording live from a hotel room in beautiful Ames, Iowa. That's right. He is at the peak of the Hampton Inn and Suites, Ames, Iowa. Beautiful room, by the way. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's
1: nice. You, you know, it looks it looks just like the one Jerry and I stayed in when we went to Canton for the fantasy football. But most but most hotel room, the double. You mm-hmm. know, they, they they all look the same. But um, if you're watching live on YouTube, Dynasty Warzone YouTube channel. You can see Dallas. Now, Dallas records the rookie rundown when he can. Jerry and I are going to do a better job of getting back to recording on Monday nights. I've had some other commitments. Jerry's scheduled. That's why I've been very fortunate to have Bruce Matson who jumped on with me last week. I got Dallas jumping on with me tonight. But you'll never miss a show if you're on the YouTube channel. Dynasty War Zone. just go to YouTube, search it. Boom, you're right there. And then we just did a little quasi good people, bad tweets. That, as always, is brought to you by our patron, patreon.com forward slash dynasty Warzone. I've been bringing in a lot of new patrons. Um, Dallas, you know what I love about the patrons? Hmm. That like literally I said we were going to start startup season after the Super Bowl. Like literally the Australians are hitting me in the DMs. Like, I'm waking up Monday morning after the Super Bowl. It's like, hey, when are we going to start patron- the next Patreon league? I'm like, guys, I said after the Super Bowl, not like literally after after the Super Bowl. But that's the kind of folks, that's the kind of things that go on over at the Patreon for Patreon uh, Dynasty Warzone. Zone. Uh, these ladies and gentlemen love their Dynasty Fantasy Football just like you do. You wouldn't be listening to a podcast in February if you weren't a diehard. Uh, a great group chat uh, was banging on the Super Bowl. We were sharing recipes, we were cooking, trading prop bets, and now all of the conversation has t- turned to trades. Now Dallas will jump in with the occasional rookie nugget. He'll keep us honest. He'll make sure that all the talk does not retain and and you know pertain, I should say, to just veteran trades. Dallas is keeping us honest with the rookie content. And if that sounds like something you want to be a part of, maybe your league is done for the year, and it's become crickets, and a lot of my leagues have, but our patron's great. It blows up every day, 50, 60, 100 messages, and I love the interaction. If that's for you, patreon.com forward slash Dynasty War Zone. Jump in and check it out. So, normally, Valentine's Day was just two days ago, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, but You know, you can't really record on on Valentine's Day night, Dallas. Not if you're in a relationship, would you agree?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's not conducive to keeping the relationship is how I'd probably put that.
1: That's right. If you want to have a relationship in 2022 or 2023, (laughs) I guess it is, on Valentine's Day, you better not be cutting a podcast on Valentine's Day night, 2022. That will wind you... Wind up speaking of the doghouse, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Doggy Dog. You wind up in the Snoop Doggy Dog doghouse if you do a podcast on Valentine's Day night. So that's why we didn't record on Monday. Tonight is Tuesday. Jerry's been working on Tuesday. So we're making the best of it. So, but normally we do our Valentine's Day breakup edition. We're going to do a modified version again. Jerry and I are going to get back to doing the normal edition. We'll maybe do a supersized edition next week. But I want to talk about some of the news that came out around the Super Bowl Dallas. And then you're going to give us some rookies that you're you're loving on and you're breaking up with. That's going to be the show today. Yep. So let's let this first bit of news is it came out that our boy Kyler Murray, a bit of a diva. I've heard everything from during halftime, my man would put on headphones and tune out the rest of the team to where he would call his girlfriend Um. Come across as a bit of a finger pointer, and it just feels like the overall vibe in Arizona is not great. Uh, I covered this at length uh, a couple of Patreon podcasts ago, maybe two when this news first broke. But, you know, it was really a lot going on with Kyler Murray. So what were your thoughts when you saw this from a dynasty standpoint? Did it make you want to buy? Did it make you want to sell? What are your thoughts around Dallas and his long term dynasty viability?
0: Uh, for me, when it goes to Kyler, it didn't really change anything for me. Um, it's a sh- I'm a strong proponent of I want to see like multiple players actually point the finger. I want to see like actual comments and interviews of people calling people out before I'm like, all right, it's an actual problem. Um, there's been a, kind of a scream due to the lack of defense, I would say, by a lot of players on this team, which is a little bit concerning, but for me... Doesn't really change anything. Um, He's electric. He's extremely good. And it's been proven time and time again, you can be a diva in the league as long as you're good and you put up the stats. And I don't think it's an issue that he's going to not put up the stats. Um, It's easier to point the blame on him. I think this year specifically due to the injuries that he dealt with. Um, But when he's healthy, he's up there with the great quarterbacks that are in the league right now, just based off of his arm talent and his athleticism. So it doesn't really deter me. I'm definitely not selling. Um, I actually don't own Kyler Murray in any of my leagues, unfortunately. I wish I did. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not too concerned about it. I mean, what are they going to do, trade him for 10 first-round picks? They're not going to let him go. They wasted two first-round picks on a quarterback, back-to-back drafts. Um, they're stuck with him. Everyone's stuck with him. They're going to bring in some more offensive weapons due to the fact that all the wide receivers were pre-agents this year, except for Rondell Moore and DeAndre Hopkins. Um so I, I'm not that concerned. What about you?
1: Uh, for me, I, I've never been a huge Kyler Murray guy at his acquisition cost to begin with, just to be, to be very transparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually tweeted a couple of weeks ago that a lot of people still have Kyler as their QB3 in a startup. And I just said in, in general that a lot of people feel like they have Kyler Murray ranked too high in Dynasty, and it feels like out of obligation. It's like you see the name Kyler Murray, but but for me, my concerns around Kyler are, are a couple of things. One, I think part of the reason why he did the whole Instagram scrub of the Cardinals from this, and this whole thing, I think it has a lot to do about money. He wants to get paid. You wanna go back to the rap to the to the Super Bowl halftime show? I'm not actually gonna wrap it, but you know, he's got the the his mind on the money and the money on on his mind is what's going on with Kyler. He's wanting to get that 40 million dollar paycheck right now. And I and I and to be honest, I can't say that I blame him. But he here's why I'm concerned is the rushing. You know, if he does not get an extension, do you think he's going to be he's going to be comfortable running the ball in in the season next year?
0: Uh, I think he's gonna run it out of necessity. It won't be uh, designed QB runs. He'll probably be otting his way out of those quite a few times. But uh, I, I mean, you have to. He he's pretty good at not taking the big hits. We've seen it on a pretty regular basis. Him him and Lamar kind of have that knack, along with Russell Wilson, not taking the hits. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's not gonna be, for lack of a better phrases, making stupid business decisions on a regular basis if he's not locked up long term as most players don't so
1: and and that is completely fair. He's a guy who's been nicked up 2 years in a row. Yeah. Missed 3 games this year. So would you say there's ever a bigger sense of urgency than the playoffs?
0: I mean no. Yeah.
1: Okay, so in the playoffs my man Kyler rushed two times. Exactly. Two times for 6 yards. <laughs> now mind you they got behind pretty early and maybe the need to run just wasn't there. My concern with Kyler is that if he does not get the big the big paycheck, the bag as you as you youngsters say. If he does not get his big old bag of cash, how invested is he going to be in using his legs in 2022?
0: I mean not that invested.
1: <laughs> so 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 how likely is he to be a top 5 fantasy asset if he's not overly utilizing the skills of his legs?
0: Uh, with Nuke still on the team, I would say it's probably 50, 50 still just with, uh, some of the guys that are there.
1: And, and that's fair. But for a lot of services that have Kyler in the top three in a super flex for me, uh, I I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to go get Dak. I'm not going to be afraid to go get Joe Burrow. I'm not going to be a, afraid to go ask about Justin Herbert. I think this news needs to die down before you make that move in Dynasty. But those are the kind of guys I'm looking for. If if you had big fuzzy peaches, a big set of nuts on you, and you wanted to get really aggressive, you know, if I could get Deshaun Watson and a couple of firsts, maybe I got to send something back. Like if I could send Kyler, get Deshaun Watson and a 2023 20, first and maybe a 22 second knowing that if the whole Deshaun Watson thing blows up in my face, at least I can use some of those picks to maybe go get a, a guy we're going to talk about here in just a minute and Carson Wentz or Derek Carr or someone like that. So I, I'm looking to get out from under Kyler before these things get worse. If he loses Cliff Kingsbury, which Cliff was borderline quasi, even though they made the playoffs, there was rumblings about his seat being hot. And that's not the kind of guy that, you know, what's the next head coach look like? What does his offense look like? How does Kyler excel in that offense? There's just a lot of things. I'm not seeing any positives as, as, a, as a great way to wrap this up. So for me, if you can get someone to give you QB3 overall in a startup prices, and I don't, I don't think you're going to get Herbert one-to-one. And as cool as Joe Burrow feels right now, I don't think you're getting Burrow one-to-one right now. I think if you're lucky, but I think Dak's my target. I think Dallas is going to regress a little bit from the defensive side of the ball. And I think you can get a plus. I think you can get Dak plus something for Kyler points per game basis. I don't think I'm going to change that much. And I understand that I'm going to be losing that upside of being the QB one overall potential that we know Kyler has when Kyler is fully motivated and the legs are, motivated and he's running around back there. Completely agree. He's the QB one overall conversation, but just a lot more negatives around that situation. So for me, Dallas, I'm looking to get out. Is that fair?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sound logic. I understand why you would.
1: All right. Well, let's jump into a guy who's literally right here in uh, my, my area. That's Mr. Carson Wentz. Now it came out and it was per a pretty reputable source and Mr. Chris Mortensen, love Mort, Mort's good stuff. And that his time in Indy could be done. But as I ask myself, if you were looking for a job now, now Dallas, if you are looking for a new gig, do you make sure you find the new gig and have it lined up first? Or do you just wing it? Do you just like go in tomorrow, turn in your notice and, uh, you know, figure it out on the fly?
0: Uh, yeah, you definitely line up the new gig. <laughs>
1: So my question is, as a Colts fan, and as a, an apologetic Carson Wentz stand, what's the backup plan here? What, what's plan B? I mean, Marcus Mariota? Hope that maybe Russell Wilson's available, and then you can trade like three picks for him? And then how do you make the team better? And then you pay Russ $40 million and, and how do you afford to re-sign Quentin Nelson? And how do you re-sign Braden Smith, one of the tackles? How do you keep Darius Leonard who you just resigned? How do you keep DeForest Buckner? All these things become a thing when you start paying a quarterback 40 some odd million dollars. Now, I understand this, this situation in Indy with the QB has just compounded like interest over the last three years since Andrew Luck retired. You had Jacoby Biscuits Brissett, you know, thrown into emergency action. Philip Rivers wasn't bad in Indy, and Carson Wentz wasn't horrible. He had a four to one TD ratio. He was uh, top six in QBR. It just felt like when the ma- the moment mattered the most, whether it was against the Raiders or against the Jags to get in the playoffs, he stunk. So before I go any further on Mr. Wentz, what were your thoughts when you heard that story about Carson Wentz and any potential dynasty shares you may have?
0: Uh, Yeah, my I had the same thought as you. They, What's the plan? You can't let him go unless you have someone in the building right now. And are you – I mean – they don't trust Jacob Eason. They made that abundantly clear with how they handled the quarterback position this year. So what, what, like what? like what's your plan at the quarterback position? You would basically – you're locked and loaded gunning for Jimmy G because he'd probably be the cheapest option. You're not going to have a first based off of what happened with the trade for Wentz this year. You then – if you try to make a move for Russell Wilson, are you mortgaging the next three years and star players on your team? Like you said, you're not going to be able to re-sign – Realistically, Jonathan Taylor, any of the offensive line, which for me, when I was watching Wentz towards the end of the season, yeah, you can say what you will about his turnover propensity towards the end of the season, but his offensive line didn't look great towards the end of the season. He was getting pressured a lot in those last couple of day- games where it mattered. And we know what Wentz looks like when he's pressured. He looks terrible. So there were some injuries. You guys probably need to rework a little bit of things, get some better depth just so we can see what's going on there. But I don't think that they can let him go for his current price. The fact that they just gave up a first for him, you don't give up a first for a one year rental. Um, So I'm just not really sure how much validity I can give it, even if it is a reputable source, just based off what I understand of how the team's laid out right now.
1: And our main man, Mike, in the YouTube chat posted that Wentz is owed $15 million on March 4th. So even with Wentz's contract on the books, the Colts are still in the top five in available cap room. And again, I, I just don't believe that. I, I think part of this messaging is to other teams. I don't think it's so much to Carson Wentz, but I think it's to other teams. I think this feels, uh, and I'm going to steal this from Colin Cowherd, because he was talking about this today on my commute home. He was like, this feels like a message from an impulsive owner who was butthurt that this mess that this this deal didn't work out and lead to the playoffs. That that's what this this feels like, this this messaging. Because you know Chris Ballard, who paid the first round pick, who who lost this deal, isn't going to give Mort that information. Frank Reich, who's the head coach who has ties to wins, is not going to leak this information. So who has motivation and desire to leak this information? It's Jim Irsay, and as Carson and as Colin Cowherd said, he's absolutely right. If the no one's going to give you anything for him, so if no one's going to give you anything for him, you're just going to cut him, and then you know he's going to get snapped up by. It's kind of like musical chairs. The team that doesn't get Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, what are they going to do? Or maybe even Jimmy G. They're going to go out and they're going to snap up Carson Wentz. If you're New Orleans and you don't have Drew Brees, are you going to play Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, or do you go pick up Carson Wentz on a veteran-friendly, you know, deal? I understand he's owed 20, I think it's either 22 or 25 million bucks, which to us working class folk is a lot of money, but in QB terms, it's not. I saw on Roto World today, it'll always be Roto World to me, kids. NBC NBC Sports Edge, it's not even fun to say. I saw in Roto World today that Derek Carr could be in the $40 million a year extension range. So I'm sorry, Carson wins for one more shot is kind of a deal at $25 million, as gross as that is to say. So that's what, from a dynasty standpoint, I'm looking to buy. I'm always looking to buy depressed assets. Uh, I won't get into it because it would be given away where and what we covered on one of my Patreon pods. But this is a great investing strategy. If you want to know about that investing strategy, join over at patreon.com forward slash dynasty Warzone. I talk about the famous investor who uses this strategy and how I use it. And, you know, for me with Carson Wentz, he's going to go into a bullpen of one year QBs. I talked about the one QB, the one year QB, uh, a couple of weeks ago here on this podcast. If I can get Carson Wentz for a second in a super flex draft, you're never going to get cheaper quarterback value. Because again, if the Colts cut him, someone's going to give him a shot. Someone is going to give him a shot. And if you need a third QB in a league, especially if you got like mobile quarterbacks, you've got a Kyler. We talked about Kyler missed three games this year. Lamar Jackson. Whether you, you know what Ric Flair say? And big, 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 big Rick Flair guy here. Whether you like it or whether you don't. Learn to live with the fact that Carson Wentz on the season was like the QB 14. Where else are you going to be able to go out and get a guy who's going to be a spot start here or there that's a cheap insurance policy that played about on a Ryan Tannehill level? Uh-huh. If you have like the 206 and a Superflex and you need a QB, are you going to get a QB in a Superflex rookie draft? A starter that, that you can play in 2022? I mean, no. what,
0: you're my rookie guy, you tell me. I mean, absolutely not.
1: <laughs> I mean, by by the time the 206 rolls around in a 12 team super flex league, Carson Strong and um the guy Malik Willis and even uh the 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 B level Kenny Pickett's gone by then Sam Howell's gone by then. I mean who are you gonna you gonna take Desmond Ritter or are you gonna take Carson Wentz at the 206? I'm gonna go invest in Carson Wentz. I have a feeling that when opening week one kicks off in like the second week of September, Carson Wentz is going to be under center for somebody. It could be the Colts, could be the Saints, could be the Steelers. Could be There's a lot of teams. That's the problem. There are 32 of these jobs. And there's about six guys in the world we feel comfortable as the starter. <laughs> so that that's why I don't mind throwing a, a cheap offer on Wentz. Do you agree, disagree? Would you just prefer to move elsewhere?
0: Uh, No, I mean, I acquired Wentz cheaply when there was a lot of talk about him going to the Bears, even though it was a horrible situation last offseason. And my opinion really didn't change. Um, If he goes to a team with B-level weapons and an offensive line that can keep him upright and not injured, he's going to give you very ugly but very productive QB weeks on a very regular basis. Um, So as you said, for the cost of acquisition, it's pretty much a no-brainer to try and pick him up.
1: He goes in what I like to call my bullpen of QBs. Yeah, you know, if I got a Josh Allen and I've already got a Baker Mayfield and maybe a Derek Carr, hell, throw me some Carson Wentz. Now I got three guys. Maybe someone else on in, in my league experiences an injury in season in twenty twenty two. I can always get out from under. I can always get a twenty twenty three second for him. You know, th- there's a possibility. You can go through and say, "Oh, hey, Carson Wentz is playing Houston. Okay, he lit them up a couple of, you know, oh, you know, what, what ba- Baker's playing Pittsburgh or Baker's playing Baltimore. Okay, I'm not going to play Baker. I'm going to play Wentz. Mm-hmm. It kind of almost becomes like a redraft type philosophy once you get in season. But that's why I like having a handful of these guys. If you don't have one ace, give me a fistful of deuces. So we're going to move on. We're going to move on to the Super Bowl now." How how did you take the uh, the the result? How did you feel about the outcome?
0: I mean it it ended exactly how Cincinnati season should have ended, with the offensive line being incapable of stopping <laughs> any type of pass rush. Basically, all season, uh, the one miracle game where they were somehow able to avoid sacks entirely was against the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you look at the two games sandwiching him, Joe Burrow was sacked 16 times in the other two games. So, I mean, it was expected. Good for good for Aaron Donald, uh, good for Jalen Ramsey, good for OBJ, good for Matthew Stafford. A bunch of guys that have seen a lot of different teams at this point who have... Earned their way to a ring, Um, and then congratulations to my wallet because that was one of the bets that I put in at the beginning of the season that ended up working out pretty well for me. So I was you you stole
1: my transition that was going to be mine. It's like the Super Bowl for me was very profitable. Yeah, if you listened to the Wednesday Super Show that we did last week with myself and Kyle, the host of the Fantasy Football Smackdown, as well as Jesse and Mike from Dynasty War Games, we had some props on there, and outside of uh, the – I'm going to call it a bad beat. I'm just going to be what say what it was. It was a bad beat. I had Odell Beckham over 63-and-a-half – rush, I'm, excuse me, over 63-and-a-half receiving yards, and he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, man, I was on fire. I had Cooper Cup. You know, my rationale was that if Cooper Cup had a good game, if he had two touchdowns, how do you make up for not giving him uh, more votes in the MVP race? Yeah, and you throw him a petty Super Bowl MVP. And that's exactly what happened. That paid six to one. Um, we had a lot of good stuff. So, um, that was fun. But before I get into Cooper cup, what are your thoughts on Odell Beckham from a dynasty standpoint? Cause uh, I'll, I'll give mine in just a second, because you're going to be surprised by what I say.
0: Yeah, I, so I traded for him mid season in two leagues. Um, I was able to flip for him for a second. Um, and I felt very comfortable with it. And what I saw with the Rams made me equally as comfortable. Um, the ACL, again, is a little bit concerning for me because now it's on the opposite leg of what he hurt the last time. Um, so now it'll be back to back ACLs, yet another soft tissue injury, another ligament injury for OBJ. So. I'm a little bit concerned long-term, um, but if you're looking for production over the next two years, you're probably still going to get it. He probably won't be fully OBJ again until midway through next season, but it's more realistic that they were to bring him back as opposed to Robert Woods being back and healthy around the same time and eating into it too much. So I, I, I like him long-term.
1: For for me, I, I've never been an Odell Beckham guy, but I could not feel more – sympathy for someone that I do with Odell Beckham Jr. And and I'll I'll tell you why it was the first time in his career. He was going to be able to be part of a free agent class. He kind of had that brief taste of free agency while he was doing, um, choosing a team once he got released from Cleveland, Mm -hmm. but he was going to be a full blown free agent for the first time in his career, eight seasons of the NFL had always been under contract um, you know, was the first time to test those waters as a 29 year old. You know, this is the last, you know, it was going to be the last good contract of his career. Mm. Had played very well in LA. You know, he may have stayed there. Um, he could have stayed in LA and went to the Chargers should Mike, you know, Mike Williams in, you know, the other side of LA, you know, move on. But he tears the ACL at I mean, it doesn't get any later than a Super Bowl ACL tear. And if I remember correctly, it's the same knee. Okay. And, and, and at 29, you don't tend to bounce back from these type of things, you know, too much. So I, I'm rooting for the guy from a dynasty standpoint. You're hoping to get into a conversation with someone who just remembers, man, it, that was the worst thing to happen, not only to Odell, but to his dynasty GMs. Mm-hmm. Because if you had any inclination to be able to move that guy, as soon as he signed with, with a new team in free agency, it was going to be your opportunity. Now, yeah. someone's going to take a chance on him, but it's going to be a one-year prove-it deal. And I just hate chasing guys coming off of injury. Extremely frustrating. So for me, he's a hold. Yeah. Um, I think you wait and maybe he signs a, a really good contract or a team-friendly contract on a, on a good team that's deemed to be a good destination. Maybe that gives you the out you know, for a guy going into year nine, year nine, never been the healthiest of guys to begin with. Anyway, this was going to be your one last big cash out. So I'm super bummed for dynasty gamers as well. Who was looking for that one last big cash out. You were literally two and a half quarters away from getting that. And, uh, the, uh, the fickle finger of fate struck you down um, that was really it. Uh, I'll ask you this last question, and then we'll let you get into some uh, rookies you love and hate. Uh, thoughts on Cam Akers? Didn't I... look didn't look great during the playoffs. I mean, I, I'm of all of the hosts on the Dynasty Warzone Network, I'm probably the biggest Cam Akers guy. I got to be honest, I wasn't feeling it. Um, obviously, their plan worked. They never injured res, injured reserved him for the entire year. Their plan was to always bring him back for the playoffs. That plan worked. They got the Super Bowl. But what were your thoughts on him in, in what you saw the last couple of two, three games?
0: Yeah, I mean, I he's without a doubt still the best back on the team. Uh, it's not like Sony Michelle or Darrell Henderson were balling out during that same span since he came back. Um, I'm more concerned about what this offensive line is going to look like going forward. They have quite a few aging vets. Um, They're going to be missing most likely their entire left side of their line going into next season with retirements or free agencies. So I'm concerned Um, they couldn't make any room to run the ball whatsoever against a team. That's not very good against the run in Cincinnati. So, It's kind of a wait and see. Uh, It's cool that he came back, but he didn't do anything to alleviate the concerns of the ACE, uh, not the ACL, the Achilles long-term. I still haven't seen extreme explosiveness. We haven't seen him break any long runs like he was doing prior to the injury. So it's still wait and see for me, for Cam Akers. I'm not trying to acquire him Um, again. I, he's one of those players. I just don't own any shares of in general where he was going in rookie drafts last year. So, yeah, wait and see.
1: <laughs> I, I'm I'm totally fine with the wait and see. If someone gives me a, a moderate to decent offer in the off season, I'm not going to be afraid to move him. Mm-hmm. I, I like Cam Akers. I like this offense, but you know what does this? To your point, what does the offensive line look like in in twenty twenty two What do, what does the 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 offense look like? You know, I do like the fact that Sony Michelle's gone. They don't have a ton of draft capital. They don't have a bunch of cap space. So another free agent, the odds of Sony re-signing, a potential rookie. Any rookie they bring in would be late. So there will be upside to this situation. But if you can find anybody that still valuates him as like a like an RB5, 6 overall in a startup, that's a great time to cash out. You know, I, I would love to, to be able to get – I mean – It's not crazy to think that you could get Derrick Henry plus a little bit for Cam Akers if you're a contender. I mean, I I, I see you doing the math in your head. I mean, you know, if Derrick – if someone says, hey, I'll give you Cam Akers and you give me 20 – what, 27, 28-year-old Derrick Henry in a second, you get the new hotness. I get old and busted. I get both guys coming off of an injury. But I could potentially draft someone who could help me in that second round.
0: Yeah, if if I'm the owner of Henry, I don't make that move just because they both came back in the same amount of time. Basically, Henry came back in six weeks from his injury and played in the playoffs, too. I, I'm not, I, I'm not I, talking I a smart... Move, but I get what you're saying. That's not a bad target for it. So, like, uh, theoretical question for you. I know you're not a huge uh, Monty fan. Would you do Monty and, say, a second for K-Makers?
1: I, I would angle... Cam, I'll give you a, a a third, maybe my 2022 and 2023 third for, for Montgomery in your first because you're getting your guy. You're getting the better offense. I'm getting the guy with the running quarterback who's, you know, I'm going to spin a yarn. That's what mm. I'm doing. That's what I do when I make trades. I spin a yarn. Hey, you know, I'm taking all the risk here. You're getting the guy who came back from the Achilles, looked great in the playoffs. Wink, wink. And you're gonna get the guy who's gonna be on the offense that um you know could potentially score 15 rushing touchdowns. We saw Sony play great down the stretch and and Sony did. If you look over Sony's last five or six games, he was like the RB9, you know, from week 14 or 13 through the end of the season. Hell, I traded for him in one league where I needed some some running back depth and won a championship. So we know that the points are there. So, yeah, if I could work out a deal to where I get David Montgomery in like a first, even if it's a late first, I don't care. Even in a one QB, I don't care. Um, I wouldn't mind getting another wide receiver or another running back there. But speaking of rookies and draft picks, I'm going to turn the tables on you. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes per guy here, and you're going to tell us in honor of Valentine's Day the the the, the tradition continues. we got to have love-hate. Now, you remember back in the day, you'd see an old school guy. Now, hang, now I'm a tattoo guy. If, you, if you're if you watching on YouTube, you see I've got a sleeve on my left arm. Dallas has got a, a partial sleeve on his arm. We're not anti-tattoo here at the Dynasty War Zone. But here, uh, tattoos on the hands, the back of the hands, the fingers, that's become a lot more on trend in uh, 2022. Would you agree? Uh,
0: yeah. I would say the, the phalanges, the ears, those are always uh, the fun targets for people nowadays. <laughs>
1: Now, back in the day, you would see someone across the top. Now, I have a wedding ring tattoo, by the way. But you'd see someone have tattooed across the the front of their fingers, and they put them together, and they would have those tattoos that said love and hate. Have you seen those tattoos? Yeah. Now, back in the day, those kind of tattoos meant, uh, I'm a bad, bad motor scooter. Nowadays, those tattoos means, come over here and let me show you my vegan bicycle. But at any rate... We're going to talk about love and we're going to talk about hate, just like the tattoos on the hands, right? So, so Dallas, give give me a twenty. Is my rookie guy, and Dallas is our rookie guy. Remember that. We'll get, we'll get all the good guys on. Uh, we'll get Nick Whalen back on, and we had Bruce Mattson on last week talking rookie wide receivers. But Dallas is our guy. Give me a twenty, twenty two rookie that you love, and, and and give us a couple of sentences why.
0: Yeah, I will, I will err on the caution of not uh, showing my hand for the next couple episodes. I have a couple of guys in the uh, Power Five that I liked, but I have quite a few in the group of five that I love this year, specifically in the draft class that you're going to find in those middle rounds. So I will, I'll stick in the Power Five for my love um, with one of my favorite guys that isn't getting a lot of hype, and it's Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State. Um, He's a true senior tight end coming out. He is a big, big boy. Um, He's 6'6", 260, um, but he's got some wheels for being that big. He's a very sound blocker, and he's gone for 590-plus receiving yards each the last three years in the Big 12. At the tight end position, you don't see that type of production on a year-to-year basis every single year Um, he wasn't the focal point of the offense but he was one of the safety blankets for the quarterback specifically Brock Purdy when he was in duress he's really good at finding the space specifically like in zone concepts Um, you'll always find him do that little turnaround that Kelsey likes to do where you're like I don't understand why he keeps getting open or why they're not tackling him right there he just always seems to find those open spaces and when you're looking at a guy that big you don't expect him to be as fluid kind of in the same way as Kelsey is But I just like him as one of the most sound tight end prospects in this year's draft. There's a lot of flashier guys, some with some better athleticism, but from a size standpoint and from an actual receiving production standpoint, which for me, when it comes to tight ends is probably the most important aspect that I look at, just because if they weren't really even remotely productive in college on a receiving end, it's 100% projection into the NFL, which is almost impossible to do at the tight end position. So My comp for him, uh, I don't do firm comps, but he reminds me a lot play style wise of a Hunter Henry. He's not going to wow you with his speed. He's not going to wow you with his crazy catches, but he's got really reliable hands. He's always open and he just always does what he's supposed to do. He's not giving up huge sack numbers. He's not blowing blocking assignments. He's just where he's supposed to be, which is extremely reliable. It's how you get on the field early as a tight end. And when you have as sure hands and that type of receiving upside that he had in college, it's what I look for at the tight end position. So he's a guy that I love, and he's not being talked about pretty much at all in this tight end class.
1: No, and I uh, was listening to the first draft podcast with Mel Kuiper Jr. and Todd mm. McShay. And they said that he's actually a very good two-way tight end. And even though you're not doing firm comps, we're not going to mm-hmm. put that evil on you. Even though you're not doing firm comps, uh, I don't hate that Hunter Henry, that Hunter Henry comp. So there's one of the guys that, that you love. Write that down if you're listening at home. Charlie Kohler, K-O-L-A-R. Is that correct? Yes. I talked about him last year. I thought he was going to come out last year. And then – Give us a rookie you hate or you're breaking up with. We don't hate people because hate's bad in 2022. Uh, Unless you're talking about hate brand goods, we'll get into that at the end of the show. But uh, give us a rookie that you're breaking up with that's not going to be on Team Dallas this year.
0: Yeah, um, it's a guy that even a lot of my favorite rookie analysis guys seem to keep projecting and putting in their top five to six running backs in this class, and it's – the brother of a monster of a running back that we know of Dalvin cook. It's his brother, James cook out of Georgia. And I, I can't get on board. And that is the same capacity that I have with a lot of players like him. It's all projection. He's never been able to claim the full role in an offense that he's been on. He hasn't looked like the best running back specifically running the ball on his team on a regular basis. And Yes, he has explosive receiving chops and he has very good hands on the outside, but that's pretty much all he does. If you go and I'm not going to recommend that people do this on every prospect, but if you just go scorebox searching, looking into those stats over the years, his biggest pop games from a production standpoint are in the receiving aspect. Um, Again, not a firm comp, but play style-wise, coming out even-wise in the same kind of similar vein as to how he didn't dominate his backfield, was kind of that gadgety receiver with a lot of upside, but we were hesitant to see what his role was going to be. I liken him to a Kenyon Drake coming out of Alabama. It's a guy who has explosiveness, track speed, great hands but a lot of question marks across the board. And there's a lot more sure bet running backs that you're guaranteed are going to be in a committee somewhere in the league over the next couple of years that I feel better betting on in that second round, which is realistically where you're going to have to draft a guy like James Cook based off of his ADP right now than I do taking a guy like James Cook out of Georgia.
1: And did you say he was related to Dalvin Cook or Dalvin Cook. Jared Cook? Okay. Cause there for a second, cause you said it so fast. I was like, did he say Dalvin or Jared? B- <laughs> yeah, b- he's
0: Dalvin Cook's brother.
1: Okay, th- that makes sense. couple of running backs. Okay, yeah. no, but no shame in Jared Cook's game. What is that guy, 36, 35 years old? was, yeah, a, he- was a Was a combine super freak. So both families are fine to be in from a from an NFL prospect perspective.
0: Yeah, exactly. And funny you mentioned uh, James, uh, not James Cook, Jared Cook on that one. Uh, that's actually who I comped uh, tight end Jalen Widemeyer to uh, as a prospect wise um, in last week's episode of the Rookie Rundowns. So make sure to listen if you want to hear more about that, folks. Well, there
1: you go. So James Cook is on the 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 breakup list We're breaking up with James Cook we're falling in love with Charlie Kohler. All right, let's let's go with another another guy you're breaking up with. We'll go out on a positive note. Give me another guy that that you're breaking up with. So you're breaking up with James Cook. Give me one more.
0: <sighs> this this is uh this one is a little bit harder for me to do just because of the upside that he could have as a quarterback in this draft, but I I really have a hard time getting anywhere behind Sam Howell. And there's a lot of people that like his upside. There's a lot of people that like his rushing upside specifically. But when you lose your weapons, I don't want you to develop a new part of your game to where that's all you do. And that's what I felt like what happened this year with Sam Howell. Rather than adapting in the past game and attempting to get better, get more accurate, have more throws in your wheelhouse than he did last year when he had the weapons in De'Ami Brown, Daz Newsome, Javante Williams, Michael Carter. He pretty much just was like, all right, well, if it's not here on the first read, I'm going to run. And cool, you got the wheels to do it but you didn't show me any development this year, which is a little bit concerning for me. Um, Even watching him during the Super Bowl, not Super Bowl, during the Senior Bowl practices and the Senior Bowl game itself, it was run, 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 run. You didn't see him making these wow passes. All the reports were that he wasn't wowing. He wasn't disappointing. He was just making the easy throws. He was missing the hard throws, and he was quick on his feet. And that just screams an average quarterback that's not going to get you anywhere from a fantasy standpoint for me so people who have him typically in their top four in most people's rankings right now it's just not something i'm going to be relying on at the quarterback position even if he does have a high rushing floor
1: and this is a guy that i'm probably the most qualified to talk about as i'm you know really diving deep into rookies i've already done some quarterback stuff for me, I, my message in Dynasty this year is we're not overdrafting guys with QB2 ceilings. Yeah. If you catch lucky with Sam Howell and he winds up on the right offense with the right coach and the right set of teammates, you you might get a Derek Carr or you might get a Kirk Cousins who can give you like an RB 10, 11, 12 season. I know Kirk has had a little bit – Mr. Cousins has had a little bit more upside than that. But, that I mean, you're probably going to wind up with somewhere between – Sam, no, no, I'm gonna put that evil on him. You're gonna wind up with, with somewhere between Baker Mayfield as the floor and Derek Carr slash Kirk Cousins as your ceiling. And to me, knowing that you're probably gonna have to use a first round rookie pick on him, here's the thing. If if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't go to the GM that's got Kirk Cousins right now and give them the 108, what in the hell are you doing using the 108 on Sam Howe? Yep. At, at least you've seen Kirk Cousins do it in the NFL. You have no earthly idea what Sam Howe is going to do in the NFL. Hell, give up your 208 and go get Davis Mills if he makes it through and he ends up being the starter for one year. Again, disposable QB. So I don't want to rehash that rant. I want to give you a chance to go out on a positive note and give us one guy you're uh, you're falling in love with on this Valentine's Day week.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, I talked about him a little bit last week. Um, actually, no, I'll go with a different one. Um, I did talk about him a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but I don't understand why people don't like Brian Robinson out of Alabama. And I can't really wrap my head around it other than the fact that he's a one year producer out of Alabama and we just get tired of seeing good running backs come out of Alabama. Um, he's coming out of the pipeline of running backs that are tried and true in Alabama. They recruit talent, whether or not they are gangbuster speeds or not, they all know how to run the ball. And the thing that I saw time in time out this year with Brian Robinson, when he fully grasped the reins of that backfield is that even in all out blitz situations where they know that they have to stop him, they can't he will get the two yards that you need on fourth and two to get the two yard completion. And when you start relying on him, he reminds you of guys in the past coming out of Alabama, like the, now I'm not calling him Trent Richardson, but like Trent Richardson, like Derrick Henry to where they get better with the more carries that they get. Even in the national championship game against Georgia, he was completely locked up the entire first half and they just kept handing him the ball and those two yard runs turned into five yard runs, which turned into successive 10 yard runs. He's just a monster. He is the body type and the essence of what you want as a true grinder. And he can catch the ball. He has no true holes in his game unless he comes out and he runs like that. Elijah Holyfield 4.8, 40 yard dash, which I don't think he's going to do because I've never seen an Alabama running back do that. Um, it's just one of those things where he's just not getting a lot of love, and he's gonna get drafted in the middle rounds. He's gonna get an opportunity, and in a similar vein to a guy like Ramondre Stevenson, where once he gets the opportunity, as long as he doesn't fumble it around, uh, fumble it away like Ramondre did, he's probably gonna keep it. And so, if I'm taking a flyer in the late second or early third on running backs, that strategy that we've talked in the DWZ Network time and time again over the last two years. You pound the running backs in those late rounds. I feel way more comfortable taking Brian Robinson in the late second, early third than I do taking a James cook in the mid second.
1: There you go. And again, these guys have the pedigree. Most Alabama backs don't get two years. You're lucky. If you get one, they all seem to come out of nowhere. And it's because they have to, you know, Mark Ingram, you know, Derrick Henry has to wait till Mark Ingram leaves. You know, uh, was it J- Josh Jacobs and uh, someone else had to wait until you know Derrick Henry left, and then yeah, I was
0: gonna say that this secession basically went—you went Trent Richardson, Trent Richardson into Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry into. Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs into Damian Harris, Damian Harris into Najee Harris, Najee Harris into a guy, Brian Robinson. So you're just looking for one year of production and that they prove that they weren't the dud in the group, which he did.
1: And and, and don't forget, somewhere along the way, there was Heisman Trophy winner Mark Ingram in there. Yeah. So so it's, it's not exactly a, a place where you come in as a true freshman or even as a redshirt freshman or sophomore and just come in and dominate. Because if you ever see that person... That's a writer downer. That's an eyebrow raising moment. But Dallas, man, I want to thank you a ton for for jumping on. Um, Thank you for not going out to party on the mean streets of Ames, Iowa, for (laughs) for going all of that good time and hanging out with me here on the Dynasty War Zone. Um, We've already talked about what you have coming up on the Rookie Rundown. You're going to be talking about some uh, non-power five. Uh, What'd you call it? The other five? Yeah, so uh, the
0: the group of five. So I'll be going the group of five conference next with my favorites out of that group rather than under the radar. And then the week following, I'll be doing my sleeper episode, if you will, which is my FCS gems. Uh, Fun fact stat for you guys. If you didn't know, there was actually 13 FCS players that were in the Super Bowl um, and eight of them were on the Rams. So um, they do matter. So, yeah.
1: Uh, and I'm going to be leaning to these running backs. Now, we talked about some rookie love. We said love and hate. We don't believe in hate here at the Deep Dynasty Warzone. We don't believe in in hating players or hating people or hating anything unless it's hate brand goods. That's my man, Matt Vincent, over at Hate Brand Goods. If you don't know who Matt is, throw him on in the Google machine. Check him out. Two-time Highland Games world champion, but that's not really what he does nowadays. He's an adventurer. Uh, he's a, he's a clothing guy. He's got a new track suit. Now Dallas to check this out, they've got a warm up like a, like a track suit. It's like a sweatsuit, right? Mm-hmm. Pants and a sweatshirt black, right? You're, you're wearing a black shirt. Now classic black joggers, small hate brand logo, black hoodie, hate brand logo. Okay. That that's no surprise. Very fashionable, right? They've also got a second colorway that is purple. I'm talking Grimace from McDonald purple.
2: That's very purple.
1: I, I'm talking Barney the Dinosaur purple, purple, purple. If, if that's the kind of drip, you know, we, we, we reference terms that the, these younger folks like my, my, my co-host tonight, Dallas uses, if that's the kind of thing that interests you, man, head over to hate brand goods. That's the T-H-E hate dot com. It's H in the Roman numeral for hate, the com. Check it out. You know, the goat shorts. Uh, I'm going to be doing, I have not talked about this a lot on the, con, uh, on the podcast. I'm going to be doing a fitness contest this weekend. Dallas, you want to guess which brand of shorts I'm wearing for my contest
0: on Saturday? Uh, Chubbies. Just kidding. Hey, brand.
1: <laughs> hate brand. brand. I will be wearing hate brand goods. I will be wearing the Mexican blanket version. They're the ones that match the shirt the best. Weird color shirt. But anyway, um, if, if you're into fashion like I'm into fashion, which is like in the in the middle, and I love supporting small businesses and guys like Matt who have a tremendous story. Uh, if you want to learn more about him, he also has a podcast. It's called Umso. Just go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. And you'll find UMSO. It's a podcast with everything from strength and uh, athletes uh, from all different spaces and all kinds of good stuff. So he's one of the sponsors of this show. He's a great dude. And we're proud to rep his brand when you check out the brand. If you see anything you like, including the coffee, yes, they sell coffee. Use promo code MEMPHIS at checkout. It supports the show. It supports a small business. And uh, Dallas, man, I'm uh, glad I got your support tonight. Thought I was going to be doing this thing solo.
0: Nah, always got your back.
1: (laughs) I I appreciated it. Uh, All the boys of the DWZ. Dude, make sure you're subscribed everywhere because there's so much good rookie content We're going to have rookie guests on soon. Dallas is uh, keeping all the rookies in the forefront. Jesse and Mike and Chad, the boys of the Dynasty War Games, have been keeping stuff going on. Sometimes it's rookie, sometimes it's veteran. You never really know what you'll get with those guys. Uh, But on behalf of that man, his name is Dallas, Dallas Heider. You can follow him on Twitter, at Salad Galore. That's Dallas spelled backwards, but yes, it also spells salad, S-A-L-L-A-D, Galore. Salad Galore on Twitter. You can follow me at DWZ Memphis. You can follow Jerry at D W Z. Guys, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, here at the Dynasty Warzone, Dallas, what are we doing?
0: We're here to make Dynasty better. <laughs> I don't
1: know. We're here to make the world a better place for fantasy so football. So close, man. So, so close. close. It's not your outro line. It's my outro line. Guys, <laughs> have a great week. We'll see you back here real soon. Thank you. is hate brand goods. That's uh, my company. That is what we've started. I hope you guys have checked it out. If you want to go over to the hate.com hate for me means it's about self-improvement. It's this self-motivation through self-loathing. This, this bit of loathing of not tolerating your own bullshit, that little voice that says today's good enough or what we did's fine, or no one's going to know that I'm taking today off. Like fuck all that, man. I know like I hold that standard. I'm accountable to me. And that's it. That's why I chase goals. I do it because of me. I don't do it because of what someone else is going to think of it or what someone else's approval is. And it's about holding yourself to that. The rest of that motivation can fade, but as long as you're in control of being able to make you do the shit you want to do, you're golden, man. So head over to the hate.com use code and save yourself some cash. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing.